coming up on this episode of the Goldilocks Zone, we return to our discussion on Aaron Sorkin and television. We look at Act 2 of his television career, Studio 60, and the newsroom. We are going to have a heated discussion on whether those shows stand up over time, and we will render the ultimate verdict on what is Aaron Sorkin's television legacy. It's a brand new episode of the Goldilocks Zone, and we're about to enter it right now. You're entering the Goldilocks Zone, episode number two, published February 6th, 2015, Aaron Sorkin's TV Legacy, part two. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Goldilocks Zone, the only podcast on the internet that dares to challenge you over, under, or appropriate. I'm Sean Jennings, and I am joined... By the smartest man in the room, the guy who would have given Marshawn Lynch the ball. That is, of course, Mr. Matt Mariani. Sir, how are we doing today? I'm great, Sean. You give me too much credit, but I would have given Marshawn Lynch the ball. Matt, no offense, but you and 90% of America probably would have done the same thing. So That's right. I don't know how much credit that is, but... I played the game on Madden. I I gave Marshawn Lynch the ball. Very good. Spoiler alert, I won. Matt, well... As a Pats fan, I'm I'm very happy when Marshawn Lynch doesn't have the ball, so I'll take it. Thank you, Malcolm Butler. Uh, and thanks to all of you out there for joining us uh, on this episode of the Goldilocks Zone. I want to remind everyone, our website, goldilocksshow.com. Uh, I think it's pretty neat. Uh, and I just got the email before we went on air. We are now on iTunes, so if you're an iTunes podcast listener, uh, you can subscribe and download us via iTunes. Uh, hopefully by next week we'll be on Stitcher Radio as well, uh, but you can get the raw audio files and the RSS feed on the website, goldilocksshow.com, and follow us on Twitter at Goldilocks Show. Uh, especially follow us on Twitter because Matt has his weekly question. We're going to post it up there, uh, and you can reply there as well. So a great place to find us. But we've got to jump right in because we've got a lot to talk about tonight. And I thought it might be appropriate to set the stage as where we are right now. Okay. We've talked about his first two shows, Sports Night, The West Wing. Okay. We start into West Wing, Aaron Sorkin writing every episode for the first four seasons of The West Wing. But as he gets into 2001 and 2002, the third and fourth seasons of the show, uh, Aaron Sorkin is becoming a cocaine addict. We know this. Uh, Because he got in trouble for it. He was also arrested for possession of hallucinogenic mushrooms and crack cocaine towards the end of the second season of The West Wing. This is a man on the slide, okay? It's at the same time Sorkin gets into fights with NBC over their news coverage of President Bush, a a fighting with President Jeff Zucker at the time. Aaron Sorkin, not a happy man. He leaves at the end of the fourth season after writing 87 episodes of that television show. Cut to... 2000 and uh, what year did Studio 60 start? 2003. No, 2005. 2005, Aaron Sorkin, after taking some time off, decides he wants to get back into the television game. So he pitches a story for a show behind the scenes of a live weekly sketch program a la Saturday Night Live. Called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, he pitches it to the networks, and there's a bidding war. NBC pays big money to outbid CBS to get the rights to Studio 60. Aaron Sorkin casts the show, very expensive to produce, high hype, one of the highest tested pilots in the history of NBC. It's canceled unceremoniously after one season on television. The question is what happened? Is it a good show? Matt, would you care to go first? Uh, Sure. I'll go first. Um, And let me just preface my conversation by saying I looked for my Studio 6 t-shirt and I couldn't find it anywhere in my room. I think it might be in my basement. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm wearing a Wikipedia shirt instead just to show that I am the fact authority. Somewhere I'm sure NBC (laughs) has a warehouse full of Studio 60 t-shirts they never sold, so... Maybe I can go pick one Maybe up can go pick on one my up. spare time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I'll start the discussion by saying that the show um, Studio 60 was uh, one of those shows that you really wish you could have back just for one more season. I think you just um, there were the, the, the plot 
seemed to be going in a very interesting direction. And there was a lot of, um, I feel like the, a lot of interesting characters, uh, and that hadn't really fully developed yet. And it was just kind of surprising that it all just came to an, to an end. Uh, although, um, and I'm sure we'll get to it even later in the discussion. Um, there were, there were very good, plausible reasons for the show to end, um, in real life, sort of, uh, network disputes and things that had to do with um uh other other events going on in the world that caused the show's untimely demise that being said i think it's one of the most underrated shows out there i think that um especially because even fans of aaron sorkin's other work um i think besides sports night studio 60 is probably the one that if you listed off all of the shows that Sorkin has ever made, some people would be like, wait a minute, I've never heard of that one, you know? And I think Studio 60 is, is that show. Um, that's, uh, well, that's, that's my opinion, Sean. How about, um, what do you think about Studio 60? And Matt, it's, uh, I, I hate to be that guy, well, I really do, but Studio 60 should have failed. It should have failed. It should have failed. It was it was not a success. I'm not saying it's a bad show. I actually think the pilot was excellent, and I think the show had a lot of potential. I just think some big mistakes were made that crippled the show in a way it could never recover from. So I, I've been crafting my argument all week as to how I want to discuss this. I have two big problems and a series of small problems with Studio 60. Okay? Okay, great. I'll focus on the big two. One... Aaron Sorkin should not write a show about Aaron Sorkin's life. And that's what Studio 60 was. A, a drug addict, writer-producer combo, hated on by the network, got fired and at, then was asked to come back, fighting with network executives. The, um, the Harriet character was based off of Kristen Chenoweth, who dated Aaron Sorkin, and they had a rocky relationship. It was based on the guy's life. And and it, to set up a show like that, he should have just called the Aaron Sorkin show and made the character Aaron Sorkin. I would have rather watched that. <laughs> and instead, I constantly... Or Matthew Perry. I felt like... I know. Well, I felt like he was constantly projecting himself onto the show, and I didn't like that. My other main problem, Aaron Sorkin has always tried to make a political statement. He did it brilliantly on the West Wing because it was subtle, right? He never got in your face and said, you know we're being mean to this group and we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't. No, it was always like build an argument over an episode. And in the end, the president does the right thing. Love that about the West wing, right? Studio 60, every chance they get, they have to point out about, well, they're Christian and we don't like them. Oh, you're leftist, this and that and nine 11, this and, and this war that. And it was like, that's not fun or it, you have to be more subtle than that. When in back to back episodes, you're doing, constant jokes about Christianity and that was like a main theme of the Harriet character I felt it really took away from what could have been a very interesting character and instead she became very one note so those were my two big issues too much about Sorkin too much about political and social issues okay so you're saying that the uh the the first off the show became sort of like the Aaron Sorkin show where he ta he takes uh, his own trials and his own troubles that he's going through at, in, at life in the time, and he injects it into a character on the show. But couldn't the argument also be made, I think, that during the West Wing, you have the character of um, Leo, right, who's going through alcohol issues, issues with alcohol abuse. And um, I saw a lot of Sorkin in him. I saw there's a lot of that that Sorkin snarkiness and and the obvious trouble with alcohol is sort of paralleling the trouble that the actual Sorkin faced with drug abuse. Um, and I thought that that was very well. But as you said, I mean, it, it wasn't really a primary focus of the show. It was more one character's arc. It was actually, interestingly enough, it was that that particular arc, the character Leo in the West Wing was written in. Because a critic complained that Sorkin's characters didn't have enough flaws. They actually said that um, you, you don't really have any flawed characters on the show. Everybody just seems like this really smart 
ingenious political savvy like god among men and, and you got to have some kind of um you got to have some kind of kryptonite so that's why he threw in that um the alcoholism situation um into the west wing as for studio 60 i think that all of those things combined the 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 tense relationship between matt alby and his ex-girlfriend who was also working on the same show the uh the the drug habits or recovering drug habits of um danny tripp and matt alby uh to a certain extent i think that they add, they add a dynamic that otherwise you would have the west wing problem you would have a problem with too many characters being too invincible i think you have to have kryptonite and i think what is what kind of kryptonite does Sorkin go to? The one that's in his own life, the drugs and uh, the drugs and alcohol. Um, as for the political statements, I think that you, you, you that kind of comes with the package with Sorkin. You know, he 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 tends to make a lot of um, a lot of shows that are centered around political issues or his own political opinions of certain events. I actually, up until this discussion, I was I was thinking back, and I I was thinking, Studio Sixty might have been one of the shows that, uh, one of the Sorkin shows that got away from doing that, that kind of focused more about, um, what it's like to make a television show, and it rather than espousing a certain, um, political belief. I mean, I know I know the newsroom actually did it to a pretty great extent, um, sort of pushing a certain agenda over the line even going as far as to like um sort of belittle other political beliefs and uh opinions um but i don't know when when i was watching the show back in 2005 i was probably i don't know 14 and i don't know i didn't i didn't i never really noticed any of these uh situations that popped up um we had the incident with, um, as you said, the character of uh, the character that Matt Albee had been dating, the one that was based on Christian Chetwick. She had the the Christianity thing that was going for her, and and I, and I do think you're right. They they did kind of belittle that, um, but w- other than that, I mean, I, I I could see what the the Iraq War episode with or the Afghanistan rather, with the um, the swearing on the news. Yeah, but it was like the the reason that uh, Matt Alby was fired in the first place was because of uh, patriotism after nine eleven, and I I just going back and rewatching it now. Maybe you're right when it first aired, and maybe I'm just more hyper aware of it. But just going back and watching it, it just felt like, and, and I'm telling you, this progressed Sorkin through his shows. You can do it chronologically, right? Sports Night never mentioned a real athlete. West Wing occasionally mentioned real politicians, real issues, right? Sports uh, Studio 60 mentioned real political things. And the newsroom was entirely based in reality. <laughs> it, it got worse as time goes on. And to me, I find that as a negative. Okay. I don't want stories to be placed in real life because it, it for me I don't find that as entertaining as a fictional world where the characters do the right thing in the end and it, it I just I'm, I'm having a tough time putting it towards the the sort of the these were characters you can't root for I honest, I swear to god I am watching this show and I can't root for these characters and I'll tell you I thought about this my two favorite characters on Studio 60 were Amanda's Pete, Amanda Pete's uh, network executive, and um, now I have to look up their names because D.L. Hughley. Uh, D.L. Hughley was okay. Uh, Jordan That's McDear, pretty- played by Amanda Pete, and uh, to be honest, I really liked, uh, although I've always liked his work as um, Timothy. Uh, oh, what's his uh, Timothy Busfeld as the as the director in the control room? Oh. Yes. And the reason I like those characters is because they were fun. They had their down moments, but they were always interesting. <laughs> All we saw from Matthew Perry was him just moping around being miserable the whole time. 
Honestly, the only time we saw him get any success was in the last episode of the season, and I thought that was a great episode. So that that is what, and that's I think where Sorkin comes in as it being too much like Sorkin, is that I think he sees himself in this light, and I think he reflected that too much on these characters, and that, and this is one of my small points about the show, for a show about a comedy show, there wasn't enough humor, there just wasn't. Like, I needed a show with more funny moments, and that's why I really liked the Jordan McDeer character and the director character, because they brought the fun moments, and the show was way too much of a, of a downer. Even the West Wing had funny moments. And I felt like Studio 60 missed the boat. Never mind the fact that I couldn't buy this as a real sketch show, because they're doing stupid sketches like Science Schmience, and, like, their sketches sucked. Like, I could not believe this was a real show. It just wasn't funny. I don't know. I I think that the the point was not to show the actual sketch comedy. It was it was more to show the behind the scenes and I think by doing that they intentionally downplayed the sketch comedy show itself to just set it up as something sort of in the background while these people dealt with these uh um real issues. Was Studio 60 Aaron Sorkin's best work? Definitely not. I won't I won't say that because I think that I very few people in the world would hold that opinion and I would not consider myself one of them. Um though was it his most underappreciated? Probably. I mean, one can make the argument for the newsroom, but I I think that I think that um Studio 60 was sort of the the um the black sheep of the Sorkin shows and that it only ran for one season. It um, really didn't, didn't attract as many viewers didn't really have the time to attract as, as collective of a fan base as even, even as the newsroom has now. Um, and I think that if we had a little more time with the characters, then we might see a different outlook. I think that the show probably had had some directions it could have went with um maybe the characters would have developed and sort of grown out of being the sorkin you know it would have been uh maybe matt alby would have matured could have reflected aaron sorkin himself maturing out of um his uh you know his, his drug problems and all the issues that were going on at the time with him um I think that it was a dark moment for for Sorkin, and I think that he used this show sort of as a as a ladder to pull himself out by sort of it was very personal that he was showing his audience, look, this is how I feel right now, and I'm I'm going to put myself into these characters, and I'm going to sort of author like what what I'm going. It was a very personal experience. I'm going to author my way into sharing this with you and because i know that there are a lot of people out there who are just like that you know who are just like me i think that's what sorkin was saying i i I agree with you and and i think the the core pieces were there and i think with some retooling it could have been a really great show i just think when you combine the sort of miscues in in the plot and the writing combined with the fact that this was an overhyped show after the West Wing. Sorkin shows are notoriously expensive because he always delivers scripts late. He always has complicated productions. He always has complicated sets. They're absurdly expensive. And NBC paid a fortune out of the get-go for the show before making a single episode. This show was set up to fail. It could have been the West Wing, and it would have lasted one season. And I think... I think that's that it was just in a tough spot, regardless of where it was. Um, uh, We've got to render our verdicts. I wanted to mention one other small point that I wanted to point out about Studio 60 that really bugged me. And this is such a minor thing, but there were too many two and three and four part episodes. And those really bug me. Okay. They did three different times a story arc ran over episodes. One of those at the end, it was three episodes that spilled into the fourth episode. You can't do that on our television. That's a cinematic move, right? That's a two or three hour movie. But on television, that is way too slow to move a plot. I do agree. 
I think that actually reflects um, Aaron Sorkin's intention for Studio 60. It was actually supposed to originally be a film. Um, and I think that the, those, those, those multi-part story arcs kind of uh, reflect his thought process in, uh, back when he was still writing this film that he was going to make. I actually, I mean, once I learned that, I, I kind of thought about it and thought, you know, like Studio 60 would be a really great movie, I mm-hmm. think. I agree. Um, they, they would have to take out a lot of the fluff and a lot of the uh, over-exaggerations and whimsical plots that they threw in. But I, I think if they streamlined it, it would be a fantastic movie. So maybe that's the, the real missed opportunity, is that this was really something that was meant to be only like two, maybe two and a half hours. And uh, Sorkin was a little too ambitious in trying to create the new West Wing out of it. Um, uh, yeah, but um, I agree with you that that three part arc in the end with the, and that was spilled into a fourth episode, which was also the season finale. That was too much, and and I try not to think about. <laughs> I try not to think about when I think about the West Wing. Yeah, which I like to remember the happy times. That's right, and, and and I I totally agree on the movie thing. I actually think the pilot as an hour is a brilliant hour of television. I think it's. Ex- I'm not surprised it tested off the charts. Yes, I I wanted to talk to you about that pilot because I I I don't know if this is a, an over exaggeration. I wanted to get your take on it, but um, I thought that that pilot definitely ranks in on my top three best pilots of television. Yeah. I mean, I definitely my favorite Sorkin pilot. Definitely the best Sorkin pilot right out of the gate, but it kind of had to be right because of all of the, of of all the that was at stake. Mm -hmm. Then we see. Yeah. uh, Traditionally, the pilot is the worst episode of a series, right? It's when you're the characters, you you look back years later and the characters seem weird and different and they're not quite what they became. And no, that was it kind of at its peak. And I I agree. I think it's absolutely up there with some of the best pilots. And if that had been a movie, I think that would have been phenomenal. That that sort of one night as a two hour film. Could have been really awesome. So, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. So, we've got to render our verdicts. Matt, where do you stand on Studio 60 at the Sunset Strip? A terrible name for a television show. You know, it was originally going to be Studio 7 on the Sunset Strip. Well, I just just don't think you need the on the Sunset Strip part. Just call it Studio Studio 60. Studio 7. That would have worked. Yeah, and it could have been a movie. Studio 7, the movie. As for Studio 60, on the Sunset Strip, the television show, I'm going to render my verdict under. I think it is is underrated. Uh, I'm going to put mine in at at just under the wire under. I I, I don't agree that it's as under as as you put it, but it is under, and I I think it had its moments. It didn't have a great run. It had great moments. So I'll leave with I'll leave uh, the segment off with this question, if you don't mind, that I'd like to extend to you. Okay. Um, as a viewer of Studio Sixty, if if Thirty Rock was not made, say say we there's a hypothetical world where Thirty Rock premieres, I don't know, five years from the the premiere of Studio Sixty. If they did not premiere side by side on the same network. Is Studio 60 still around? Is Studio 60 still around five years later when 30 Rockets pitched? That is such a BS urban legend. Let me tell you, having two shows on the network with similar plots has never stopped any network before. Um, this is not a new idea. Every time a, a concept comes out, the following year, every network will have their own version of it. So I, I don't buy that. I think. We talked about this. Studio 60 was set up to fail. I don't care if 30 Rock was on there. They could have made another hour-long drama set backstage at a late-night sketch show, and it still would have failed. I just okay. think NBC was not going to stick with it. That was the problem. And you have to do that. West Wing took a season to build an audience. I don't think they were ever going to stick it out with, with Studio 60. It was just too expensive. Fair enough. But I'm, but but I'm glad. To be honest, I'm glad we got Thirty Rock and not Studio Sixty. I really am. I hate. It pains me to say that. It really does. But yeah, you know what? Me too. I, me too. I am glad it was given the choice. I mean, they're 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 very different. I mean, though they're very they're 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 
ex- almost exactly the same in nature and in in spirit. I think that the um, just the just things just work better on 30 Rock yeah. than they did on Studio and, 6. And I'll give Aaron Sorkin all the credit if you saw his guest appearance on 30 Rock where he he made fun of his little walk and yeah. talk bit and that was very, you know, they made a crack at Studio 60 very That was pretty well done, yeah. He can laugh at himself. I'm good with that. We've <laughs> got to continue on because we've got one more Sorkin show to talk about. Possibly his last. last. Who knows? According uh, now, to Sorkin. At least. Uh, I, we were talking the newsroom here. The HBO series that goes behind the scenes at the Atlantis Cable News Network, uh, starring Jeff Daniels as Will McAvoy, also including Emily Mortimer, uh, Allison Pill, Dev Patel, Olivia Munn, Sam Watterson, among others, ran for three seasons on HBO, uh, where it was then canceled. Uh, another highly touted pilot from Aaron Sorkin, another bitted up show, ended up going to HBO. Um, I'm going to start on this one because you got to start on the last one. So the newsroom was really hit or miss for me. And I think Sorkin made a critical error that never could never, the show could never get over. And that was, he centered it around real news events. The second, the second you do that, a, you limit yourself, right? When you have fiction, you can make up any fucking thing you want, right? But when you set around reality, you're kind of setting what happens. And he got lucky getting a few things, but he had to work the plot around what happened in the real world. The other problem is you get this Sorkin expectation of everyone on Twitter saying, oh, I wonder what the newsroom is going to say about this next season. You kind of set yourself up on this pedestal of saying the newsroom is the final word on news events. And I think that is such a difficult spot, especially for someone as pressure sensitive as Aaron Sorkin is to try and reach up and match that, that's very difficult. Now, that being said, I thought Jeff Daniels was outstanding. I thought Emily Mortimer was outstanding. Um, I I didn't care for uh, the Jim and Maggie characters as much. I tend not to like the quirky female character Sorkin puts in a show. We talked about this, um, whether it's uh, Moira Kelly or... Um, uh, who was it in uh, uh, Sabrina Lloyd in uh, Sports Night? Tend not to like those characters, um, but I thought Olivia Munn actually was kind of a standout star. I had no expectations for her going in, <laughs> and she really stood hey. out. Uh, Sam Watterson always great, so I thought the cast was great. And honestly, I thought the first season was a really good show. I just think that by the time it got to its second season, it had had such expectations. There was a delay between seasons. The scheduling was weird. It was reduced in the number of episodes. I just think the show studio 60 is a show that got off the rails for me. The newsroom was a show that was never on the rails, but that's just my opinion. I, I, I give the show a lot of credit and I really enjoyed the first season, but it, it, it painted itself into a corner. Matt, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. The newsroom itself was Aaron Sorkin getting tired? I think it was Aaron Sorkin sort of getting. He's going through the same rigmarole. A lot of the a lot of the time, it felt like he was just recycling moments from The West Wing, and just kind of uh, setting them up uh, side by side with real life events. Um, the uh, the but at the same time, um, I'm going to have to disagree with you. In that, I, I, I like the idea of uh, the newsroom using real events, at least in the first season. It made a lot of sense, I thought, um, in that for, for a change, the viewer is one step ahead of Aaron Sorkin, or of, of the, char- the characters of Aaron Sorkin. I think in, in previous shows, such as The West Wing, you have a cast of ultra-intelligent characters who are briefed on every situation that you that that you know they're they're experts um, expert staffers of the president they're experts in their field and we're struggling to catch up now I think in the newsroom we as an audience are given a break because we know how the events plan, uh, are are going to pan out and the characters on on the show that we're watching are still trying to piece them together uh, so it makes it a lot more relatable this was a very good. Uh, show that was like kind of like Sorkin for dummies, kind of like uh, it's Sorkin, but uh, introducing himself to an audience that might not be as familiar, and it's a good way to get used to it. If you if it's if you've never seen an Aaron Sorkin show, I think the newsroom 
is probably the one to go with because he's already sort of mastered that walk and talk, that uh, kind of hyper-intelligent savvy that he has in all of his other shows. Um, while at the same time, you don't really have to be a genius in political law to, to figure out exactly what the characters are talking about. So I, I, like, the, um, I like the realness from the newsroom. Uh, and speaking of pilot episodes, which we were we were speaking of about the pilot of Studio 60, wow. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there listening now that would probably disagree with Studio 60 being the best pilot ever, and they might be more inclined to say that the newsroom was. I, I'm still going to go with Studio 60, but the newsroom had a fantastic pilot. It really did. Again, another movie I'd watch, right? Yeah. Exactly. Another so, another movie I would watch, yeah. So spot on. Yeah, I mean, listen, and, and we'll talk about this when we get into Sorkin's overall TV legacy. My recommendation as to how he can be successful in television. But the problem is, you have to remember, between Studio 60 and the newsroom, he wrote three very successful films. Charlie Wilson's War, The Social Network, and Moneyball. He won an Oscar between this. He doesn't have to give a flying F about the newsroom. He really just did it because he wanted to. And I think with that sort of blasé attitude, I think it, it the show was good and it was what it was. But I don't I find it hard to believe Sorkin really had his heart in it. And, and I think by the time you get into the second season, the, the show starts to slow down a little bit. It starts to become a little bit predictable, a little bit sort of repetitive. Um, and, and it just grinds to a halt, which is so tough for for a show, especially when you look at like the West Wing, which really just stayed very consistent through its first four seasons, um, in terms of the the content and the speed and, and the intelligence of the show, um, to be to be frank, and I know you're you you might disagree with me on this, I think if you take the pilot and the first season and the potential of the show, I rank the newsroom above Studio sixty. And I do that because I think the acting, I think the cast was better written for. One of the problems I had with Studio 60 was I felt the Nate Cordry character, the Dale Hughley character, they never got the credit they deserved. And they were very funny in the few scenes they had. I felt like they focused a little bit too much on uh, Matt and Danny. I think the newsroom did a really great job of making you feel like it was a newsroom. They also did a better job of making you feel good in the end, right? These were characters who did the right thing in the end. For me, Studio 60 was a little bit of a downer and was a little tough to root for those characters. But on the newsroom, you're like, yeah, he's going out there. He's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. He's the hero in the end. These are guys that are the underdogs. That's the feeling I like. That, And that's what I think I really took away from the newsroom. Yeah, I think the newsroom was much more of a, uh, of a, of a like you said, it uh, made you want to root for the um, the team, the news team. Whereas Studio 60, it's kind of like these are two guys and then, uh, you know, who really cares if their show is a success or not? It's kind of just like, um, I mean, but you're, you're still, no matter what, I think in both situations, you're waiting to see what happens, which is the exciting part, right? Um, now, the, I, for me, the newsroom, the problem with it, I thought, was that it kind of peaked after the first season, the first episode. Not just the first season, the first episode to me is the best. And I don't think you ever really want that in a TV show, especially a, a, a long, like a, a multi-season show. You don't want the first episode to be the best one. You want it to just keep being great. And you want it to keep cranking out hits. And I don't think that the newsroom really did that. I, I, after the first episode, I was never riveted. I was never on the edge of my seat. Like when um, Will McElroy gave that speech. And and sort of, uh, which has now been called the speech. Yeah, the speech. That's what the fans call it. Uh, within the first, um, for those of you who don't who don't know, within the first uh, scene of the pilot episode, um, the main character just goes on a, an absolute tirade about uh, he's on he's on a news program, and uh, they're 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 feeding him like nice softball questions. Until, right, until he gets he, he gets pushed a little bit too far. And then he launches into a, a very Sorkin, very, um, uh, very true tirade about the current state of, um, of the United States, the current condition, 
of our country, and it, it's very, very good. I mean, I wouldn't, I would never do it justice <laughs> by trying go to go watch it. It's worth. But it. go watch it for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, and what's it's what's funny is that is exactly television. what Wes Mendel did on the pilot episode of Studio sixty. He had yep. his live tirade and made the characters rise to the occasion after being brought down. Uh, I think here's an idea. This just popped into my head. This is probably the best idea, and this is part of my recommendation to Aaron Sorkin, right? What if Aaron Sorkin did like, um, oh, I just had Ryan Murphy does with American Horror Story, where each season is a completely different story. Sorkin doesn't do well over time. He has no longevity. He spikes early. So what if he just did eight or ten episode series, like the first season of The Newsroom, which was ten episodes, and just kept cranking out new ideas in short form, rather than making five or six seasons of a show? I think that could really fit his style well. Yeah, I think so, too. I think I think that would work out. He obviously also has a very strong talent for writing movies as well. Um Charlie Wilson's War. He also wrote, I'm not sure if we mentioned this on last uh, episode, he also wrote A Few Good Men. Yeah. And he wrote some of, <laughs> one of the most interesting things I, I read about him is he wrote some of the zingers of Sean Connery, or Sean Connery's character in, in, the, in the film The Rock. Yeah, he, uh, he spent a time, uh, and I think he still does actually, uncredited, pun- what they call punching up other people's scripts uh, or making them better. I also love the fact that he did punch up for Will Smith's characters in um, Bad Boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, did that um, as well. <laughs> you know, what they call a script doctor. Oh, Enemy of the State. I'm sorry, wrong Will Smith movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's just a brilliant writer. I, I, don't, I don't care what anyone says on planet Earth. Aaron Sorkin's a genius now working on the new Steve Jobs movie. Um. So we have to render our verdict on the newsroom. Uh, I will take the bullet on this first. Uh, I'm going to say the newsroom is appropriate. for the. F- I think the first season was credited as being great television. I think the critics agree, and I think fans who watched it agree. The later seasons, kind of overrated. I-, I don't think the show held on any past the first season. First season, great. People thought it was great. It was great. That That's my verdict. Yep, and um, kind of pains me to say this, but I'm going to have to agree with you. I mean, oh. I, I don't. I mean, for the sake of of, of our show, I, I would very much like to disagree, just to 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 fuel more debate. But I'm going to say that the newsroom is very much appropriate uh, for what it is. I think it's 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 not. No one really considers it the greatest show they've ever watched. But then again, nobody really thinks it's all that terrible that it should be canceled. It's pretty. It, it sits pretty well in the middle, so I would say that it, that's that is an appropriate rating for for the show. Very it's good. Self. An appropriate, appropriate. A show that kind of peaked very early and uh, then just kind of dawdled and went downhill from there. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to render our final verdict on Aaron Sorkin, but before we do our question of the week, Matt, you asked a question last week. Remind the fans at home what it was. All right. So last week I put forth the question was um, if you could do a Morgan Spurlock-esque, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but he he, um, just recently came out with a new program on CNN. I was taking a look at it the other day. It's pretty good. Um, if you were going to do a Morgan Spurlock-esque challenge, and you had to challenge yourself to only eat a month's worth of one particular food or, or uh, food item, if you will, uh, which one would make you the most uh, happy? to to do and which one would make you the most sad to to have to do like if this if you were forced gun to your head it's a very philosophical uh, question it really makes you think i i hope it i hope it um opens up your minds and that (laughs) that that this tells you a lot about yourself and about your uh friends and coworkers. yeah well it's interesting because it's not just your favorite or least favorite foods it's food you have to eat for 30 days. I think that's an interesting spin. So, uh, Matt, why don't we start? What was your answer to this question? 
Um, my answer was, of course, I would eat 30 days worth of Chinese food would make me the most happy, but mall Chinese food would make me the most sad. That's, that's very insightful. Uh, I'm going to say my food I would eat for 30 days is deli sandwiches, uh, mainly because of the variety and the fact that deli sandwiches are delicious. Um, and I think my, my food I would eat the least, it's going to sound weird. Just don't take my silverware away. I don't like messy, saucy foods I have to eat with my hands, like wings or ribs or anything like that. I just don't like that. So just don't don't make me eat anything gross or saucy with my hands. And we'll. I'd be, like to see that documentary, we'll Sean. Be, <laughs> Three days with no silverware. Oh, what was you? Be like, oh, Sean, look, we've, we've, we've got a plate of, of delicious uh, slathered ribs. Oh! Um, we also have some fan responses. I want to get to these. Um we have a uh, Katie from Baltimore writes in. She says her uh, favorite food is going to be uh, pasta, which I think is a good choice because you can do a lot of things with pasta. Yeah, pasta is a good choice. There's a lot of variety there, too. Um, and her least favorite is tofu, which I actually disagree with because. No, tofu... I, I agree with that. No, because tofu takes the flavors of whatever you put it with. So provided you're a good enough cook, I feel like you yeah. can do a lot with tofu. But maybe that's just me. You could do a lot with tofu, but but it would still be tofu. That's let's be that's real true. here. And you're gonna have an iron deficiency. That's true. Which is a big issue. And your friends will make fun of you. And no one wants that. We also have uh, Phil from Vietnam. He writes in and says uh, his favorite would be a panini, which paninis are excellent. Okay, so you you would eat different paninis every day for thirty days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, can, and and his and his worst pickled foods. <laughs> pickled foods. Pickled foods, and I think that makes sense because you know you get a little bit of acid reflux. You're gonna, it's not gonna sit well with you. I, I don't think all yeah. that vinegar and and there's not really a, a, a terrible amount of variety with that either. No, and half of it's like pickled frog legs or pickled, pickled pan, you know, yeah, weird pickled pickled meat. eggs that they have in the bars that have been sitting there for God knows how long. Mm. Um. And our last entry, Kaylee from Connecticut writes in, she says hers would be pizza. She'd have pizza every day. No, I, I couldn't do that. I think I'd get sick yeah, of it. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Pizza every day would make me would make me really, really sick. And and, and her least would be meatloaf. meatloaf. Uh, yeah, I couldn't see I couldn't do that either. I don't even I, think I could do more than three days of meatloaf. Both of them would be pretty hard to do. Yeah, that's a tough one. You you really missed the boat there, Kaylee. Sorry. Uh thank you to everyone who wrote in. Um, we are going to render our verdicts, but after that, we're going to let you know for next week's question. So stick around for that. We want to hear your answers again, and we'll read it on the show. Uh, but we've got to continue on. Aaron Sorkin's television legacy, four shows, oh, well over a decade. Matt, what is Aaron Sorkin's television legacy? Hmm. Aaron Sorkin's television legacy is this that he 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 is the the inventor of that that walk and talk i mean everybody knows it it's in it's in a lot of shows now um it's in it's in um uh plenty of parodies as well as plenty of of uh real shows if you go on if you go on and watch almost any law and order episode uh, it's in, it's in those now too. Um, and he, he piloted that, you know, when there two people are walking in the hallway and they're talking about something really, uh, smart or like really, you know, uh, authoritative. And he kind of, um, I mean, he, he piloted that he started doing that in the, in the West wing and even to a certain lesser extent, he did it in sports night as well. Um, that that's that's like a very tangible legacy i think that you can you can spot um you can also like we as we mentioned in the previous episode that we did last week we talked about the music and and sort of emphasizing music and uh using it in a way that no writer had had ever really used before sort of exploring that which was great um you can you can consider that a part of his legacy uh and I think other than that, he he kind of got us to to dream about um, 
first of all, to think to think of professions that we don't normally think of in that light. Um, we don't really. I mean, when we when we picture the White House, we didn't. We nobody before 1999 or 1998 imagined. You know, like the um, sort of the inner workings, or um, not many people at least, uh, like the staff walking around and doing stuff. You kind of just thought of it as the president is making all these decisions, but in reality, he has so many people behind him. Um, and who else, who really thought of an, of an ESPN show, how, how an ESPN show gets made um, before Sorkin? And, and it, it makes people think about the man behind the curtain, sort of uh, the people that are, that are doing things to make these greater things happen. And I think that is Sorkin's legacy. I think that's a good answer, Matt. I think it is. Here's, here's where I'm at. I'm going to use two analogies. But just start off by saying Aaron Sorkin, for my money, is the greatest writer in the history of television. But his shows are not the greatest shows in the history of television. And I think that's an important distinction to make. For me, my first analogy is going to be a baseball analogy. Aaron Sorkin is the guy who throws a perfect game and then allows a home run in the bottom of the ninth. He, 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 he always he has the, the great ideas, brilliant pilots, great casting, and never finishes through. He always misses the boat in the end. I, I, think, I think he was kicked off the West Wing at the right time. I think that show, even in the end, towards the end of the fourth season, got a little off the rails and would have only gotten worse even with him there. Uh, Studio 60 did it. The Newsroom did it. I think, I just don't think he's set up to close. The other analogy I'm going to make is Aaron Sorkin is the New England Patriots of television. And in that, he is a dynasty. But he will always be plagued with controversy. Whether it's fighting with the networks, being difficult to work with, doing drugs, it, it doesn't matter. And and even if you, you say, well, some of those things may not be true where they shouldn't matter, no one cares, it'll always be there. It'll always be there. No matter how many shows he writes, it'll always be there. So for me, in the end, what is Aaron Sorkin's television legacy? He is the greatest writer in the history of television. Nobody, nobody for my money, writes like Sorkin does. And I also think we should give credit to Thomas Shalami, who was with him on all his shows, the director. He was really the one who pioneered the walk and talk, uh, doing the camera angles, the long tracking shots. He deserves a lot of credit for that. And I think Sorkin influenced a lot of other brilliant television and movies, but the shows themselves really hit or miss. It's very difficult for me to put him at that A+. I mean, if we, we go on the scale, I'm going to say he's underrated. Uh, I think you just have to because of the level he's at, but I'm not going to say he's the most underrated. I'm not going to say he's criminally underrated because I don't think that's true. I think he had as many misses as he had hits, um, and, and I think he should be remembered that way. Uh, he deserves all the credit in the world. The one thing I will say to him, and I think if he ever goes back to television, Aaron, from me to you, Mr. Sorkin, Please, let other people write the show with you. He wrote 87 episodes of The West Wing, primarily by himself. On the newsroom, he had one of the smallest writer's room on all of television at the time. He writes every episode himself. That is almost impossible for anyone to do. We saw, and again, you talk about parallels in the Matt Elby character, right? The whole plot of his character was he hates all the writers and does everything by himself and ends up driving himself crazy doing it. That's what Aaron Sorkin has done. And, and I think, Aaron, let other people work with you. It's okay. Make more television, but please don't fuck it up. And, and, and that's, that's my verdict. I would say, um, just, just for the record, Aaron Sorkin would have given Marshawn Lynch the ball. He, he would have. He would have. He wouldn't have even had a second thought. He would have gone, no, yeah. Honestly, Aaron Sorkin would have written a better ending. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if he could have written a better ending. It was a pretty good ending. I don't know. But it was certainly cinematic. It was Aaron Sorkin in spirit. Um, that wraps up our discussion on Aaron Sorkin. I can't think of a better way to do our first two episodes than with Aaron Sorkin. Come on. I, I hope yeah. we don't peak in our pilot episodes. No, let's hope to God that doesn't happen, Sean. <laughs> you just wait. Like, five weeks from now, we'll be doing three-part episodes on, you know, something no one cares about. Um well, uh, before we get to the question and wrap up tonight on Where Mind Everyone, GoldilocksShow.com is our website. Get everything there, all the links, audio, video, where to subscribe, where to follow us. It's all on the website. Check it out there. Uh, and Goldilocks Show on uh, Twitter, 
And GoldilockShow at gmail.com is our email. Uh, so get a hold of us if you're a fan. We appreciate people tweeting at us and interacting with us. Uh, next week, Matt, unless you disagree, I, th- I believe we were going to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. I've, I've already started doing my homework. That's See, this is a great excuse I have to watch more television and movies. So I, I will gladly take that. Um, so, want that. So those should be fun. Uh, Matt, you have another question for the fans this week. What question is that? All right, so we've wrapped up our discussion on Aaron Sorkin and on television shows. And my question for the fans and listeners out there is, if you could think of one television show that you feel has been canceled prematurely, as in taken off the air before you felt that it was time to be taken off the air as in like the show definitely could have gone on for another season or two before, I don't know, Fox canceled it or another major network canceled it. Probably Fox though. What is that show? And can you think of a bonus question? Can you think of an exciting plot that you would like for that show? Whoa, that is a tough one. Maybe maybe you want to have it span like over a season. Maybe you'd like to see it go for another episode or two. But I'd, I'd really like to see your ideas and, uh, and see what anybody could come up with. What show would you bring back for just one more episode or one more season? And tell me a little bit about Tell us a little bit about where that show would be headed. I'm going to have to think pretty hard about this one. I don't know. And I think we have to make a rule. We can't pick an Aaron Sorkin show. Oh, no. We can't pick an Aaron Sorkin show. I just want to make sure. Outside of that, that's a tough one. I'm really going to have to think on that. Ah, You really made me me think. That's Uh, my thought. We're glad you're here. Matt, as always, a wonderful episode. Anything else you'd like the fans at home to know? Great answer. <laughs> at Goldilocks Show on Twitter, GoldilockShow at gmail.com. Send us the answer to your questions or just interact with us in general. Subscribe now on iTunes and a couple weeks on Stitcher on uh, wherever finer podcasts are distributed. Uh, on behalf of Matt, I thank all of you for joining us, and we'll see you next time for a brand new episode of The Goldilocks Zone. But until then, good night. <laughs>